All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's December 17th. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is James Davis. Oh, baby. We are breaking down every game on the mm. main slate. Oh, I can hear you. you're excited too. I'm excited. We're going to talk about every game in the main slate for FanDuel and DraftKings. We've thrown out some bets out there. Betting article went five and three last week, uh, depending on where you grabbed some of the lines. So we're going to throw out some of those bets. Just posted a few up on the site as well. And we rolled through our cash game uh, picks in an article, which is up on the site and through a podcast, which is one behind in this feed. So go check all that out. We'll throw out uh, some of the ideas and names that we had you know, nodded to uh, along the way. There are some little changes here, some injury stuff we want to get to, just a pack week of week 15. Uh, so eager to get going here. Don't forget, by the way, too, two Saturday games, Buffalo and Denver, uh, as well as Panthers and Green Bay. So just another excuse to never stop watching football uh, really any day of the week. <laughs> and then, and, and I know my family always understand. Well, for me, it's like, ah, it's a job. This is work. This is yeah, work that's, well, like. that's where you figured something out early on where <laughs> you were able to, be, to, to figure out how to make this a job because a lot of people are trying to sell that to their, you know, like if you're just doing a, what's a good comparison? Even something you make a couple bucks off of. So say like, you start your own fantasy podcast and you're making like 20 bucks a month on affiliate ads. You're trying to tell your family, hey, it's it's a job, babe. I, I just got to get this all taken care of. But I'll be here a Thursday, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to make that 20 bucks a month. But you figured out how to actually make a living off of this, Pug. That, that was dedication. <laughs> so well done. And wait till NBA starts because then it's kind of an every night thing. So that's just uh, see you when we retire. The uh, Okay, we're going to break down every game. Uh, talk about some of the line movement here. The first one is has this has got a lot of interesting components to it. So Tampa Bay goes in and plays Atlanta. This game started at minus four, which we instantly bet, um, and now it's up to minus six in terms of um, for Tampa Bay. I still think actually that number is pretty good. Um, it's hmm. get, it's kind of butting up closer to a, you know a, a worrisome line, but I think still at minus six for Tampa Bay. Uh, this still probably looks like some value. I could actually see it creeping up even further now. Where the question becomes here is on uh, today's Thursday so Wednesday evening Ronald Jones already had a thumb issue and I guess when he was getting that taken care of he also got corona because he tested positive for COVID so he's what do we want to do with this running back situation do we need definitive word because let me just I'll, before I get your opinion let me just walk you through the mechanics this is for the listener uh, last week Leonard Fournette was just a healthy scratch right as Keyshawn mm-hmm. Vaughn and uh, and Shady McCoy were both uh, were both active McCoy took the snaps, but Fournette wasn't active. I'm assuming they're going to activate him with the Ronald Jones thing. What do you want to do with this running back situation? Do you, can we lean into one of these guys? Do we need to get definitive word on someone starting? Like, even if we heard that, would it be too scary? What's your thoughts here? Because this, this is a pretty interesting situation for me. Yeah, I think we'll wait. Uh, last week, we got word on this stuff on Friday or Saturday, depending on which guy you were looking at. So I think as we're recording this on Thursday, we're not going to know definitively. Uh, clearly, they're not enamored with Leonard Fournette or they wouldn't have deactivated him and had two other active running backs so I would be hard-pressed to run him out there even if he were activated for this game Uh, I would lean towards LaShawn McCoy I mean he got Keyshawn Vaughn had one carry last game he was bad on that individual carry lost a yard or whatever McCoy looked pretty feisty in his four carries went scramble for 32 yards he actually caught a pass too so I think if he were named the starting back I would play him in cash. Uh, and maybe that sounds absolutely insane to you, but the game script is absolutely perfect here against Atlanta. He's less than 5,000. This is, in some ways, 
a dream spot. So I would I would definitely consider it. Yeah, he's forty nine hundred on FanDuel, which that you could you you can definitely lean into that price. He has pass catching ability, or at least in his you know previous iterations of him, he's four thousand on DraftKings. I'd be much more inclined to do the four thousand on DraftKings um, if if he was named starter. I don't think that would be that's not too big of a hurdle to clear. But the forty nine maybe a little closer and probably not if we just had definitive words. I think I'm pro- I think mm-hmm. in the end. Uh, I'll, I'll end up being with you, and we're just going to need to wait to see what the uh, the ultimate, you know, sort of just what the news that comes out, and uh, frankly, if anyone else tests positive for Corona, because what, it's typically it's often not just one guy we've seen, right? Like it's it sometimes ends up being, uh, you know, ends up being more than one. Anything else to see here? The passing attack uh, for Tampa Bay. I mean, do they just spread it out a little bit too much? And we can talk about running it back the other way with Atlanta. Although I'm a little concerned that uh, the Bucks defense is still a little too much to handle here anything else to see in this game yeah i think as everyone gets healthy you're basically looking at big tournament targets only uh we saw gronk's targets dip back down to two after going for more than 100 yards in the previous kc game basically you just got a lot of cooks in the kitchen and you know it doesn't help that scotty miller is is present and ready to be a fly in your ointment as well so godwin went down to three targets last week i can't imagine playing any of these guys for cash but if you guess right you guess brady plus the right wide receiver you could do a little bit here um, but yeah I, I can't recommend any specific one in this matchup just because i would be lying if i said i knew who was going to pop off here uh and just a note like i know that tampa i think one of the reasons this line was a little weird to start is i think people were down on tampa bay because they had three losses in like the last five games or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but those losses were against basically the best teams in football it was a loss against kc um lost to the Rams, and they had one other one in there. I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, and the Saints, right? So those are like three of the I don't know, seven best teams in football or something like that. Maybe maybe that seven's too much. So um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people tend to overreact around some losses, but it was just they, they ran super bad with the schedule in there. So uh, not, not really worried about that. Like I said, minus six still looks okay. Chicago goes in and plays Minnesota. This game is a 47 total right now, three and a half, uh, minus three and a half for Minnesota. We talked a little bit about Dalvin Cook yesterday, kind of just had the debate Cook versus um, Derrick Henry. I kind of landed on Henry feeling a little bit safer. I'm, it's the Chicago defense still worries me. This is a top five rushing DVOA team. And I don't know, do you want to just, is there anything else to add here? I, I know that it's, and it's really just that Cook's volume is, it's him and Henry's volume, and there's really no one else even close. Is that kind of the whole thing? And then if we thought that they were going to sh- maybe shut the running attack down, is there, could you talk yourself into anything with the passing game like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Yeah, I don't think they're going to shut the running game down in a way that will stop Minnesota from running. Dalvin Cook had 30 carries in this game when they played earlier this season, right? So we know that Minnesota at least feels comfortable trotting him out there down after down and handing him the ball. Uh, we saw the risk with playing either Thielen and Je- or Jefferson last week. Uh, Thielen caught just three balls for 39 yards. Uh, Jefferson, off the top of my head, I can't recall exactly what his line was. It wasn't great. Um, four catches for 39 yards, so... You were dumpstered if you played either of those guys. We're getting close to a situation where there's too many mouths to feed as these prices continue to climb in Minnesota, at least in the passing game. So I, I'm not going to be partaking here. Once again, if you guess right, you can pop you know, pop a big score for big tournaments. Cousins is not the kind of guy that you're, you're going to want to pair with a wide receiver, but Jefferson in particular does make a really good one-off mid-range wide receiver for big tournaments. Uh, but that's that's about as far as it goes for me. Um, yeah, I think so too. It's just like they're a very hard team to trust in terms of fantasy stuff, just in general, because the volume can sometimes get all wonky depending on how the game script. They're very, there's just so a lot of teams are game script dependent, but the Vikings specifically are, uh, like, because they just lean into one thing 
if the game's going one way and if it's going the other way, you can really get dumpstered on just, you know, the running game not getting anything or the mm-hmm. running game getting everything. So um, that's kind of what I land here. On the Chicago side, we talked about Allen Robinson yesterday. Allen Robinson is basically a double-digit target guy when Mitch Trubisky's around. So I think he's actually a pretty solid cash game play. I don't know if he ends up becoming on the outside looking in for our lineups, but I think you can't really go wrong playing Robinson. What are your thoughts here on Cole Komet, though? Tight end's a position that is difficult. We complain about it every week. He's back-to-back weeks of seven targets. He's clearly he's out-snapping Jimmy Graham I mean, at least over the last two games, he's outsnapping him. Last week, he outsnapped him two to one, uh, and the week before, it was I don't know one point five to one or something like that. Um, Komet's three thousand on DraftKings. Is that yeah. is that a place where we could think about just punting? You know, if we didn't want to go the Travis Kelsey route, like is Cole Komet does, at three thousand on DraftKings? Does he start? I don't know, looking palatable at a, at a really tough position. Absolutely. Back-to-back weeks with seven targets is about as much as anyone can claim <laughs> success-wise in the NFL tight end position right now. Uh, obviously, it's not on the same level as guys like you know Hawkinson or uh, Waller or people like that, but that's not the realm that we need to play in in order to find a reasonable tight end at 3,000. So if you wind up with not enough money left over, you just throw Komet in there hoping for five catches for 40 yards. That's plenty on 3,000. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to play him this week. And then, uh, you know, David Montgomery was chalk last week. Um, he looked like he was going to be an absolute slate buster on the first play of the game where he runs for 80 yards and then really actually just – it was he basically did nothing after that. Um, it was kind of because the, yeah. the game got away from them and they didn't need to run the ball anymore. But And, you know, Corval Patterson got in there and snuck some carries. Um, anything to like with him? He does get targets. I, like there's The pass-catching stuff is there. So it's you can kind of play catch-up with him, but I'm just not sure if, if the volume's ever secure enough. Well, the roller coaster of emotions I went through with Montgomery last week yeah. were pretty profound. Where first I was just annoyed because just because a guy's chalk doesn't mean he has to run for an 80-yard touchdown on the first drive of the game. Sure. Like that's not that's not part of the expectation. And then actually, the the reason we didn't play him was totally borne out because he only had 15 opportunities over the course of the whole game. So I'm sitting there being like, like at first I was totally relieved. I was like, okay, phew, he only finished with 22 fantasy points. And then I was mad because I was like. What the hell? We got this exactly right. He only touched like he had less touches than we thought he would have, and maybe he would have had a few more. But the Cordero Patterson thing was legit. We had talked about that on this podcast last week. How Patterson went out there and had ten carries. We know that Montgomery is not the only show in town. He basically the ratio was almost the same. So the previous week it was seventeen carries for Montgomery, ten for Patterson. Last week it was eleven carries for Montgomery, six for Patterson. So it's not like they just brought in some backup running back to like spell Montgomery in garbage time. No, this is the plan. This is this is like the ratio of carries they want to give this guy. The Montgomery price continues to climb. I don't want to play him in cash this week. You know, this is not a better spot. He's had dream spots the last two weeks, and we saw what the opportunity can look like. It's something going to be from 15 to 20 touches, and that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a floor of like 18 touches and upside in the high 20s on this price, and I just don't think Montgomery has that. So... I'd rather not play him, and you know, if we're on the wrong side of Montgomery Chuck this week, I'll, I'll be excited going into the game. I don't think we will be, and I will say, too, the Cordell-Patterson thing. Patterson was getting you know borderline goal line carries there. He didn't score, but they, they were running him inside the five-yard line. This is just mm-hmm. a spelled situation. Like He, he takes full series off, um, and that's just a problematic kind of – that's just a problematic role. And I get – I mean, look, he was close for us. We kind of like were flipping a coin between him and Mike Davis. Mike Davis ended up getting there in the touchdowns, but the um, – 
yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't like upset about not having played it because we thought it was a decent play. It just ends up look, you can there's only so many spots in a lineup for cash. Um, but yeah, the 80 yard one was like, huh, that's gonna be, this gonna be a, this gonna be an interesting <laughs> interesting ride. I don't know if I need to walk away and just take a yeah. take a long walk um, for the rest of this one o'clock game. Uh, San Francisco goes in and plays Dallas. San Francisco started as three point favorites. Excuse me, started as one point favorites and is up to three points uh, right now. The line unchanged, so uh, we did see some pretty significant line movement here. By the way, I think let me just check if we got this in there. San Francisco and Dallas. I should have had this ready. Oh, I still had San Francisco at minus three. This line shut up really uh, pretty quickly. I still think minus three for San Fran is decent value. But if you got in at the minus one, you were yeah that that bore itself out to be a pretty. Smart yeah, you're printing decision. money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the big news here is Raheem Mostert hasn't been practicing all week. Uh, he had an MRI in his ankle, but I'm not sure what came back from that. But if if he were to sit, I mean, Jarek McKinnon is basically dead. I, I don't know. He doesn't play anymore. I, I don't know what's – they said he was, like, tired from early season workload. I didn't feel like he played that much early in the season, so I'm just, like, not exactly sure what's going on with him. But McKinnon had zero snaps mm-hmm. last week, and I believe he had zero snaps the week before uh, with Mostert back. Let me just check real quick. Um, yeah, two snaps the week before. What do we do if Mostert's out? Do we come, can we like trust a Jeff Wilson thing here? I suppose I can't even remember what Tevin Coleman's situation here is. Like, what do we want to do? Um, uh, Coleman might be hurt. I'm all over the place. They have so many running backs on this team. Uh, what do we want to do here? Would we trust a Jeff Wilson scenario if Mostert was out, or is it the San Francisco 49ers just too inclined to just run a random guy out of running back that you can't really see coming until the the game's fully over? Yeah, I wouldn't want to speculate on a Niners running back, certainly not in cash. Uh, if you feel like you have the chops to guess right for a big tournament, if there is slightly more definitive news, I think you can consider it. Um, Coleman is alive, by the way. He's uh, He had two snaps last week, so he's not, and there's no injury note on him or anything, so he's at least lurking. With all the names they've thrown around, with no one emerging from the pack in like a Cam Akers sort of way, I just don't see why you need to be the one trying to guess right this week. Like, I don't I don't really think the value is there necessarily. I'd much rather play LaShawn McCoy, for instance. Uh, and I don't think you want to play two of these guys because basically if you're going really cheap in one of your running back slots with a guy like McCoy, it's to get like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook. Right. And you're going to play Akers almost no matter what in cash. So, I don't know. This seems like a tournament-only thing and not even a particularly exciting one. It's It's tough to imagine scenarios where – one of these guys gets 23 carries, four catches, and a touchdown or something. Not that you need that on 6,000, right? But you, you'd at least like that kind of thing to be in play. And, you know, with our big tournament plays, we basically are rooting for polarized outcomes, right? We're, we're looking and we're saying, eh, he could get three catches for 20 yards. But, hey, if things get – like with Thielen and Jefferson, you're like, well, if they take Thielen away, maybe Jefferson's the best receiver on the slate. There's not really that potential here. So I don't – I really have any interest in running these guys out there. Yeah, I think that I think that whole line of thinking makes sense. I mean, I could see people talking themselves into it or talking themselves into a certain player just because Dallas is uh, a bottom third, bottom quarter team against the rush this year, 27th in DVOA. So I, I could see people getting there, but um, it's just such a scary situation because as much as as much as you know we have a definitive guy out, we've just seen too many times where they are fine rostering three running backs at a time and just kind of playing whatever matchup they feel ends up working itself out or riding a hot hand, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and I know that McKinnon hasn't played a lot and Coleman hasn't played a lot, but th- for, this is one of those teams where that wouldn't make me feel better about projecting, you know, no carries going forward because it's just we just had year over year of, of San Francisco signaling that that's just sort of not the plan. Anything to see on Dallas, tough matchup here against San Fran. 
Um, Zeke and Tony Pollard like basically split snaps last week. Um, yeah. The passing game with Dalton remains difficult to just get a beat on in terms of like you know giving anyone volume targets. I feel like this is sort of a race to the middle with the with the Cowboys, but I don't know if you see it a different way. I see it the same way. I think it's all the same stuff I talked about going into last week, which was by the way a dream matchup against the Bengals. Um, nobody really put together a reasonable fantasy day on these prices. Even for big tournaments, I just don't see it. So I'm going to be staying away completely. Zeke was a guy, if he had had a good workload last week and maybe like not turned it into a ton of production, I could see trotting him out for big tournaments. But again, there's just no upside if he's going to be potentially splitting carries with Pollard. So I'm going to be staying away here. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with that. Seattle goes in and plays Washington. Uh, five Started at minus four for Seattle, up to minus five and a half. We got this at minus five for Seattle, so still trending in the correct... I, I, this could go up to like minus seven, I think, something like that um, in terms of us. I, I don't think it's going to get there, but um, I think that would be... I mean, maybe even higher. We have we have Seattle such a significant favorite here. It's uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. pretty startling. Um, maybe it actually made me like kind of like rub my eyes a little bit because we. <laughs> yeah, I just know. did a double take on this too. I don't even want to sure say what the I don't correct. even want to say what the number is, but it's <laughs> it's not it's it's significantly more than minus five. Um, yeah. so with the Seattle with the Seattle piece here, Washington. Um, you know the defense has been pretty good this year. They're they're kind of making hay on the defense. The defense is top four right now. Um, the it's the offense that that has you know basically struggled to get things going. They're still going to be without Antonio Gibson. Where you know do we want to run? Can we run a Seattle running back here? Can we run Chris Carson in cash? We did not talk about him, but this is you know this is kind of where you want to start getting to when it comes to running backs. He's a little bit expensive, um, and we have seen them kind of split carries before. What are your thoughts here on the Seattle offense? They have a pretty nice total. So you have to continue to monitor what the Seahawks are both saying about Carson and what they're doing with him in games. Um, Basically, since returning from injury, he hasn't been playing his full workload. He's been very effective when he's actually on the field, so we want to be ready to strike when that moment arrives. But you're still in the position where you're basically trying to be a week early on guessing when he's just going to be out there 100% of the time. Um, Right now, the price is right. You know, this this is the price that you want on Carson if he goes back to, say, like a true workload of 18 carries and four targets or something. I just don't – I can't say with any confidence that that's going to be this week. Uh, Hyde is getting healthier. They have other guys that have, you know, at least had a few reps this season, right? So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I, – I can't feel bullish about it from the word go. I will say great big tournament target, right? Because this is the kind of – again, the kind of guy that we – are happy to try to be a week early on if, if it's a big tournament because if this is a week where they decide we're just going to run downhill with Carson and give him 24 carries, he's fully healthy and a total go, then he can easily win you a big tournament. So keeping an eye on it for big tournaments, for cash, I'm going to continue to wait. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on all that stuff. Um, and I have realized the snap counts, you were right, the snap counts actually favored Hyde slightly last week, which I... Yeah, it's been a recurring that. theme. He's, he's, yeah. he's, not, he's just not out there. Like, but he's getting the touches on the carries, he's there. But, yeah, it's it's not a situation I feel... Like, I can totally trust Randy. And that game, I mean, admittedly, that game was completely out of hand last week, too, with the Jets, right? That game was basically 100% over by halftime. So it could be a game script thing there. The the wide receivers, these guys are priced, you know, near the top of the pay scale at this point, rightfully so. But they're they're priced like wide receiver ones on a week-in and week-out basis. But they're just Mm -hmm. not that on the week-out basis because it just ends up something's becoming a, you know, you or me situation when it comes to matchups. 
I'm talking about Metcalf right. versus Lockett. So um, that's not a situation I, I think for at least for not for cash. I want to get into for tournaments. Sure, these guys have as much upside as any wide receivers in the game. It just isn't um, it isn't happening on a consistent basis. It's been particularly uh, volatile for Lockett. The um, what about J.D. McKissick here? If they're if they're playing from behind. They still have the corpse of Peyton Barber that they want to run out here um, at times to run the ball. But McKissick last week with Antonio Gibson out did touch the ball 11 times, outsnapped Barber 41 to 30, and had four targets in there as well. Is McKissick, at least on DraftKings, is he cash game viable with, with his role? And you know, especially if you think they're going to be playing catch up here, what are your thoughts here on J.D. McKissick? Because from a PBR perspective, he has as much target upside as really any running back there is. Yep. So. I think you spelled out the bull case for J.D. McKissick. If he can get out there and get it together and be, you know, the the main guy, say Gibson winds up sitting, um, he can hit those double-digit targets like you mentioned, then I think we're feeling pretty good. Uh, it's worth noting that Alex Smith is not practicing right now. So I think his role would actually, you know, really inform everything that's happening here. Like, um, you got to really watch what's going on with the quarterback situation there because I think everyone would agree that things are probably a little bit more bullish with Smith under center uh, than Dwayne Haskins, who looked pretty pedestrian in his 12 pass attempts against the 49ers. So, yeah, kind of in wait and see mode here. And I would definitely would not want to stick my neck out on McKissick with Haskins as the quarterback. If Smith returns and takes the snaps, then I could consider it. What about uh, Terry McLaurin, a guy that we have? I mean, let's assume Smith Smith plays. Terry McLaurin, anything to see there? Uh, Bad week last week, but again, Smith left the game. We have seen him trend toward double-digit targets at times. Like he was 10 for 10. Oh, that was, no, sorry, that was McKissick. And maybe those, maybe these targets have dropped off a little bit. He was had only six and seven targets over the last couple weeks. Maybe McLaurin, I don't know. Uh, This is a good situation against Seattle. Seattle's defense is not all that great, but um, any, any thoughts on McLaurin here? And then we can move on. Yeah, it's an upside play. Uh, people were dabbling in cash. It always felt like playing with fire to me. Uh, he was getting, you know, seven to nine targets a game, not really getting in the end zone very often. But that being said, if it comes together perfectly and he gets that 12 reception game, he has mid-20s upside fantasy point-wise. Um, at least if our model to, is to be believed, Washington's going to have a hell of a time scoring in this game. So I'm going to be mostly in stay-away mode. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Moving on, New England goes in and plays Miami. This game is this line has been all over the place this week. So it started at minus three, it dipped down to minus one, then it kind of crept back up to two and a half. It's been, um, yeah, it's just been wild. It's it's, more, it's all Miami, you know, favorite, but how much they're favored by uh, has sort of like been up and down. I'll say that this seemed. I bet already my, Miami minus two. We'll probably try to grab it at minus one again. Bet the Miami money line as well because I just see this as. We've we've been through this a couple times with the Patriots. that are sort of like I don't know if they're a publicy team, but clearly the 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 name and Belichick and stuff like that I think makes people disinclined to bet against them often. And hmm. I just don't know if that's correct. Like the Rams game last week, we hammered that Rams line because it looked completely wrong, and that ended up being you know totally yeah. correct. I'm seeing it minus two and a half right now on my bookie. So. Uh, quick thoughts on the betting piece here because Miami is just a much, much, much better team than the Patriots. Uh, like I know that the record's a little closer than you would think, and maybe that is a Belichick thing, but I don't know. This seems this line was another one that seemed kind of wrong to me. And then we can talk about the, if there's anything to see for DFS. Yeah, I mean I I'm right there with you. I just doubled down my bet on Miami this week. I think that the Patriots certainly are a public team. I think people have this mythological aura around Belichick that he can somehow 
make it so they don't lose, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure he's just trying his best every game. And like, sometimes they just lose by 20 points because (laughs) the talent just isn't there. Right. So I think that numbers are going to do you a lot better, especially unless you're a ex football coach yourself, probably at like the college level, you're not really qualified to evaluate coaching. I know it really feels like you are (laughs) because you, you hear people on first take and elsewhere talk about this guy's a bad coach. That guy's a bad coach. How long was Andy Reid a punching bag? And now people in the very same people, and I won't call anyone out because that's not my thing like you, Doug, uh, who you, you just call out industry people. I don't do that. But you'll hear people be like, oh, well, they've got Mahomes and Reid. It's like they're Belichick and Brady. It's like, is it really? Because Andy Reid just got dunked on year after year after year for being this total moron. He's a walrus, you know, all this stuff. It's like, it's just whoever's winning. Those are the good coaches. And whoever's not winning, those are the bad coaches. Uh I think that Belichick is a great coach. He's not worth, you know, the extra five points a game or something like that. So um, over the baseline, right? So he might be worth that in a vacuum. Like if you moved him to the Browns or something, maybe he would be worth five points a game. Based on what they've done in the first 14 games of the season, he's not worth – or 13 games or whatever it's been. He's not worth the additional five points. So, yes, I'm betting Miami, doubling down on it. I really, really like this line and – this is the kind of game. This is the kind of bet you sink or swim on. Uh, New England right now ranks uh, 24th in offensive DVOA and 23rd in defensive DVOA. This is just seems a bo- bad to me. Just a bottom third team. Miami is 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 average on offense, and they are top uh, 10 in defense. So it's just like it's just it shouldn't be this close. Anyway, DFS wise, I don't know how much we're getting into this one here. The Devontae Parker's banged up. It looks like Mike Gusecki's going to sit. The problem with facing New England. In uh, in terms of just DFS stuff, what have you uh, that we've learned is that the pace is so slow. Like it just mm-hmm. it's just so hard to get any volume um, on offensive plays against New England because they allow the fewest play opponent plays per game this season. And so even if like the defense trends poorly in terms of just being you know actually bad or good or whatever, um, it it just it still becomes a situation where you just don't get enough touches. Yeah, I'm. Totally there anyway, and it's not like the Dolphins have any inspiring skill guys outside of Gusecki and Parker anyway, so uh, it's a total stay away. Jacksonville goes in and plays Baltimore. Um, Baltimore starters minus 14 home favorites down to minus 13 now, though the total did come up a little bit from 46.5 to 48. So that came up a little on Hmm. the Jag side. I'm not sure if that's because Gardner Minshew is starting and he's worth the extra point. That could be it. Um, But it's still looking very much like a – you know, a blowout here for Baltimore. We talked at length about Lamar Jackson yesterday as probably being the best cash game play for the money. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of if you can stomach the actual salary, knowing there are a few other guys that uh, look pretty good. I'm wondering your thoughts, though, on the running back situation. So uh, Mark Ingram was active last week, but he didn't play. Uh, J.K. Dobbins got the sec- the most carries, actually. Like, he had 13 carries, and then Lamar had, had nine in that game. Um, this looks like a game that uh, they're going to be running downhill in. Can you can we get a guy like Dobbins in here? Is it is it enough work to be had with Lamar? I mean, it's, it's been hard for them to sustain running back one kind of stuff in the past. But um, what are your thoughts here in a game that looks like it could be a blowout? Well, you can't play Dobbins in cash uh, for starters. There's just too many guys around. There's no clear hierarchy in terms of who's going to get the bulk of the carries, especially when Lamar is cooking. So. There's worlds where Dobbins, we've seen, will get like 17 carries. He is a goal line back for them, besides Lamar once again. Uh, they should split the kind of goal line touches in that way. He's capable of a reasonably big game, but he's also capable of carrying the ball 11 times. And the thing about it, and you all harken back to Montgomery, 
So Dobbins carried the ball 11 times against Dallas, turned it into 71 yards and a touchdown. Sometimes 11 carries turns into 34 yards, even if you're really good. So yeah. I just can't imagine. I can't picture a world where I'm clicking a plus next to this guy's name with 12 average touches over the last two games. Just no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, anything else? I mean, we talked about Lamar Jackson. I, the only other thing to note here is that um, Marquise Brown is out with COVID, and I think they had someone else out with COVID as well. Um, Brown was the big name. You know, can we get Mark Andrews in there at tight end? Like, is he is, is there enough upside on him uh, with with the down mm-hmm. a pass catcher? Um, Willie Sneed, like maybe his next guy up. I don't know. Like, if, if there's enough to trust here with the passing game, at times with the attempts, it's not totally there, but they are down. For whatever it's worth, Marquise Brown is their leading target guy. Oh, I take that back. Well, yeah, he's basically tied with uh, on a per-game basis with Mark Andrews. What do we think about that situation with maybe a few more targets to go around, even if they're not a high-passing team to begin with? I would consider Andrews uh, like an Andrews-Jackson stack for big tournaments. I've dabbled with that this season to mix success. If you get Andrews in as like multi-touchdown weeks, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, otherwise, it's somewhat hit or miss. But yeah, he's a tight end with nine target upside. Uh, that's his high on the season. You know, there's other guys I would rather have. I, I think he's basically like TJ Hawkinson if Hawkinson has Stafford under center. So I don't know that I would want to pay a premium for this for cash game purposes. But should he be in your tight end rotation of guys who can help you win a big tournament? Absolutely. Um, okay, moving into well, – and then Jacksonville. Oh, I just hit my mic. Sorry. Uh, Jacksonville, there's uh, anything here with Minshew. Um, the Baltimore defense, I don't know. They've, we've seen them be able to put some passing games together here. I, I don't know. I feel all over the place with Jacksonville, but I don't know if you see it any differently. Yeah, James Robinson's the only guy that I've really been taking serious looks at from a week-to-week basis. Uh, he continues to get a lot of touches, even in extremely negative game scripts. This one rates to be another one of those. Uh, it's worth noting that he did – hurt his knee in the game last week um so i think that's what led to some of the more limited touches uh, he's been a limited participant in practice it's only a big tournament play but it is a, an interesting one you know he's a guy now at seven thousand. uh we were considering him at like eight thousand in previous weeks even in cash games so getting him back down to seven thousand, when we know he does have high 30s touches or high 30s that would be a lot high 20s touches upside like that's that's very significant like just because Baltimore is a double digit favorite here doesn't mean that they're going to be up by 10 points as soon as the game starts it means Jacksonville still gets to try their best to win right and they think that that looks like giving Robinson the ball as often as possible so I'm uh I'm definitely prepared for a big Robinson week and you know it won't be I won't be like overweight on him for big tournaments but I definitely like him as a pivot from say like acres in big tournaments I think that would be a really interesting way to be off chalk here all right, um, Detroit goes in and plays Tennessee. This line had been sitting uh, off books for a while because of Stafford, but it did does look like it just opened at Tennessee minus 11. That line suggests to me that Stafford is not playing. So um, I could be wrong about that, but that line looks pretty pretty high. I, I get there's a big gap between these two teams. It doesn't feel like it should be that much, but Tennessee minus 11 right now, 51.5 over under. Um, I think well, obviously if Stafford is out, I think we need to just dismiss basically the entire offense. We mentioned like T.J. Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. They've kind of brought back slowly. Uh, Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones Jr. Yeah, another guy we wanted to play in the past. I think if there's no Stafford there, I think you need to kind of wash that one away. Tennessee. We talked at length about Derrick Henry yesterday. I don't think we need to get too far back into this. Um, I, I see at this line now, I would say this is pretty definitively the cash game play for me over Cook. Um, maybe you see it as a little bit closer. I don't want to be totally swayed by a line just to make the difference, but um, this just feels like a run run downhill game the entire time. Anything else uh, to hit on here? Maybe or anything else on the Tennessee passing attack? Yeah, the Tennessee passing attack just has 
significant big tournament upside. We've seen both Brown and Davis have weeks that could help you compete in big tournaments. Um, certainly when they're both healthy, Brown is the first one in the pecking order. He's got touchdowns in three of his last four games. He only has three games all season where he didn't score a touchdown. So he's a, a significant red zone threat. Davis has that big play upside. If for some reason Brown's been taken away, it's not extremely likely here, but uh, both of those guys can be in your ca- in your big tournament considerations, not for cash, but uh, certainly for big tournaments, I've got my eye on them. Um, I'm, not see- I'm seeing this in a couple places, but not everywhere. I think minus 11 is, pr- is still palatable for this game uh, against Detroit, and I get that that's a high number, but if uh, our system liked that even like with a full-strength Detroit, so if Stafford were to get out, be out, and you saw this at minus 11, I think you can, uh, I think you can grab that number. Texans go in and play the Colts. This game uh, has one of the bigger totals in the day. It started at 52, down to 51, but it's a lot of it that's on the Colts side where they're minus 7.5 home favorites. Uh, do you want to just go back through the Jonathan Taylor piece again? Uh, I know you probably distrust this situation a little more than I do, and that's not to say that I'm totally on board with, like, you know, kind of running him out there in cash, but he does have back-to-back weeks of – what is that back-to-back? Let me just check real quick. Um, Nah, 13 carries. So he had 20 carries last week, 13 the week before, and then the week before that, I believe it was somewhere. Yeah, it was yeah, he. Oh, he, he didn't play that game. Um, what are your thoughts? Any just real quick other thoughts on Jonathan Taylor, and then um, anything else on the Colts or Texans side? Do the snap counts handy from last week because yeah. I know the overall carries were. Third, I'll tell you right now, it's 34-22, and Wilkins barely played. Like it was 34-22-6. Is 34 for for Taylor, 22 for Hines, six for six for uh, Jordan Wilkins. Sure. So that's still essentially, was that half for Taylor then? If Hines no, gets... Yeah, it's like two to one. Or it's a one and a half to one or something like that. Um, if you compare him to, to Hines only, but if you compare, if you figure Wilkins did get a couple carries as well. No, it's like um, 1.3 to one or something. Okay. Yeah, still, yeah. still pretty darn close. And the game script last week favored the Colts running the ball and doing short passing plays a lot more than an average week, I would argue. Uh, with Hines still lurking there, I... I just can't get excited about this play. I mean, we saw this exact matchup two weeks ago. In that game, Taylor had 13 carries. Wilkins had five. Hines had six. Um, the Michael Harris had one, for what that's worth. But, you know, Hines still had three targets in the passing game. Wilkins had two targets in that game. I don't. I, I just don't know why... I, w- I should base my DFS play on one week sample where Taylor, it's a very carry heavy thing. It's not even just a snap thing um, versus in this exact matchup, what we've seen in the past, not to say it can't happen. I mean, he had an absolutely huge game last week, so I don't want to disparage his ability to put up big numbers, but I don't know that there's a credible case that we can look at last week's opportunity and pencil him in for that. And if you take off, you know, four or five touches, it, it becomes a lot closer. So yeah, I, I, I'm just not excited about it. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Um, I think, like you know, talent-wise, you just—it's—it's it's totally there. It's just a matter of just trusting him that he's going to be on the field enough, and that seems—that's a theme with just so many teams these days, right? It's just well, like, Hines is pretty pretty talented too. That's yeah, the bottom line. Yeah, like he's not a, a bad point. player. He's he's really good pass catching back. He does quite a bit. You know, he basically is really good at catching defenses off guard because when he's in there, they assume it's a pass, and then you know he can scramble. He had a thirty-one yard carry last week. He's just a good player. So I, I don't see why they should need to give Taylor the ball thirty times. Houston looks like they're going to get Brandon Cooks back this week, so I don't need to think about Kiki Kute anymore, which would be nice because I don't want to um, after the very disappointing week that he had last week when we thought he was going to see significantly more targets and just didn't. Mm-hmm. Chad Hansen, those went Chad Hansen's way, um, and even those weren't like 
totally outside. Like he had seven and then Jordan Akins had six. Um, but it looks like Cooks is going to come back. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, Cooks is a guy without Will Fuller that we definitely did kind of want to run in cash at times. Um, and I'm not sure we still see that the same way here uh, against a, a pretty decent uh, indie defense. But where do you land on a guy like Brandon Cooks? He's decently cheap still, 6600 on FanDuel. I'll check the DraftKings price real quick. Um, could you, I mean, could we return to him or it's just like not, maybe just the matchup's not, not good enough? I would consider it very strongly. I, I think if he leaves this week with a clean bill of health, the fact that they're not really trusting Kute uh, that much or that Watson's not trusting him that much in-game leads me to believe that Cooks would be in line for potentially double-digit targets, and the price is right, the talent is right. Um, you know, the types of injuries he's been dealing with I don't think should be debilitating for him if he's actually on the field. Um, he had an ankle problem, but that's not being discussed this week. It's really just the neck thing, so... Uh, keep an eye out. If he leaves Friday's practice without an injury designation, I'd be happy to play him in cash. Philly goes in and plays Arizona. This game started with Cardinals minus five and a half, is now up to six and a half uh, for Arizona. Let's start on that side. We talked about Jalen Hurts, but I want to start on the Arizona side first. So Kyler Murray has been, you know, one of the top overall fan was one of the top overall fantasy quarterbacks on the season, and then kind of dipped down over three weeks, and we were wondering if he was injured because he stopped running the ball, blah 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 blah. That kind of uh, that course corrected last week when he ran the ball 13 times, did throw a passing touchdown. So I guess like the overall fantasy line wasn't amazing, but the usage is right back to where you wanted to see it. How close mm-hmm. are we to wanting to get Kyler in here back in the in the cash? It's it's because it's pretty close for us right now. When you look at just in terms of uh, projection and price, we have him as the quarterback number two. He's two hundred less than Lamar on um, on Fanduel, and he is five hundred less than Lamar on DraftKings. Mm. Is Kyler Murray? You know where do we consider him to be? And then I have a, a, a counterpoint to my own non-point so far, <laughs> depending on where you go. But um, you, you give me your thoughts here on Murray. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I have a couple other things about this game. Yeah, you love to see the carries come back up for Murray. I think that's sort of the bottom line. You know, when he was touching the ball 10-plus times on the ground, he was good for 30 fantasy points a game. It didn't bear itself out that way against the Giants last week. The Giants are pretty good at getting after the quarterback, too. So, you know, you don't want to want to totally sleep on them there. Yeah, this is this is a very close one to me. I think going into the season, we would have always taken Jackson over Murray through the first, whatever, 10 weeks of the season. We would have always taken Murray over Jackson, and now I think it's extremely close. So um, Jackson probably gets the nod for me just on the matchup basis, but on DraftKings where the prices are pretty close, so that's actually very close to me. Philly bottom third in defense against the pass this season. So my only so my one concern here with, with um, Philly is that the pace for them, the opponent pace for them changes with Jalen Hurts on the field. We saw this really last week, mm. um, and I and I was kind of annoyed at myself to start uh, thinking about this because we played Taysom Hill, but we had also touted how much they were probably going to run the ball with Hurts, and that's just the way it worked out. And like New Orleans barely touched the ball in the first half just because the clock yeah, ran the, the clock ran down so much. Um, so I'm not sure like we have all the correct, totally correct numbers when it comes to opponent pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes me a little concerned on the Murray piece, and I'm still I think I'd be okay playing him. But um, you know how much do we want to how much do we want to course correct that piece of it? Because I do think that's a material thing. Like the offense is just totally different. Like he's just they just they brought in another running back to play quarterback, and whenever <laughs> you do that, whenever you do that, the clock's just going to tick down in a way that it doesn't when Carson Wentz is getting sacked and they're going three and out, right? Like that was what they were doing. Yeah. That's what they were doing the whole season leading up to this. And now it completely changes overnight. Do we need to change some of our baseline numbers to account for that? Probably, yeah. Probably the opponent possessions need to go down a bit. Uh, you don't want to overreact to one game. It also happens that the running 
was really working for Hertz too. And when you're moving the chains, you're just going to keep doing the same thing. That total number of carries seems potentially unsustainable on Hertz as well. Um, so, but you do need to offer a little bit of downward guidance for sure. Yeah, because like Philly had been one of the best teams in the league about allowing just their their opponents yeah. to just run the ball. Uh, excuse me, just to have. Uh, just have tons of possessions and that and I think we'll probably have to at least at least probably at worst bring them back to like league average till we can see how it all bears out Kenyon Drake ran the ball 20 times last week he's been a guy people have wanted to play in cash this does feel like a good spot with them being home favorites um can you trust uh you know oh I was looking at the wrong team here um can you trust a, a you know a 20 carry Kenyon Drake performance in this one yeah, uh, 20 might be on the high end, but I think you could certainly assume that he'll get a significant number of carries. And we've seen he'll take the goal line carries in a lot of cases. You know, I, I maintain my similar concerns about him that I would have about Murray, which is just the overall game script leading them to get not as many possessions as you'd be hoping for. So, um, but the fact that he has, what is it, five touchdowns now in four games? Yeah, you're looking at a guy with significant touchdown upside. He hasn't been gangbusters on a per touch basis but there's definitely some upside there um in terms of just overall safety it's pretty troubling to see that in two of his last four games he's touched the ball 16 times or less that's definitely not what we're hoping to see he seems very game script dependent in a way that really good pass catching backs are not so yeah that's that's my caveats on drake i think he's playable but probably not exciting we talked about Jalen Hurts as a cash game play um, at his current mm-hmm. price points. If you run the ball 18 times as a quarterback, uh, you and, and you also are allowed to throw the ball as well. You are just you need to be in consideration here. That that gives you such a high floor in a way that so many other quarterbacks simply don't have. He's not a very efficient passer through his first couple games, so I, you're never going to get a lot of accuracy here. But if you're just going to run the ball 18 times or 15 or 11, like that's enough. <laughs> that's enough to that's enough to really kind of raise your floor in a way where the passing doesn't need to be all that efficient. Um, real quick, Miles thoughts on Miles Sanders here. You're going to say that carry the ball 14 times last week. Did get five targets. Um, I believe he was second in targets last week. Yeah, he was second overall in targets. Um, where do you land on? Was that right? Oh, I've sorted this the wrong way. Um, yeah, second with targets. Um, where do you land on a guy like Miles Sanders for cash, or like a Miles Sanders Jalen Hurts stack, or is that just getting too weird for a team that is a uh, that's going to be maybe playing from behind here? Yeah, they're six point dogs right now, so I would say they're probably you know in line to be playing from behind. I can't trust Sanders in cash games. I don't think you know the. Last game was really nice. You know, it was obviously bolstered by some big plays and touchdowns and so on, but you don't have to go back very far on Sanders to see that there's just going to be plenty of games where he touches the ball 15 times or less in a game where they rate to be underdogs. You'd assume that this game would be a, a candidate to be one of those games. Um, they were just out early against New Orleans. Absolutely perfect game script for Sanders to touch the ball a ton. He, he had 19 opportunities, which is good. And if you knew he was going to get that this game, you could probably play him, but I just don't know that you can say that with any confidence. So, I uh, I would not, I do not want to play Sanders in cash games right now. Understanding that he is flirting around a lot of our top lineups. Would you rather play Miles Sanders at sixty eight on this on Fanduel? So half PPR. Uh, Miles Sanders at sixty eight or J D McKissick for a thousand less at fifty eight. I'd probably rather play Sanders probably. Um, yeah, just I, I don't I don't totally trust McKissick's role. Um, yeah, at this point. Miles Sanders or Jonathan Taylor for six hundred more. I'd rather play Sanders. Ooh, I think I would go Taylor there, but it's pretty close. Um, overall, this is an interesting situation. These new, whenever a team just kind of comes out with a totally new scheme, it is hard to sometimes figure out in a way that I, I'd be most bullish on on Hertz being able to replicate it, and I'd be 
probably with you that we probably need to take a wait and see on everybody else because at least Hurt, Hurts yes. can, you make an least, important point there for sure. At least Hurts controls his own destiny in a way that the other guys kind of don't. Um, exactly, the quarterback always has the ball in their hands, right? That, that's the the key thing here. Yes, sometimes the offensive coordinator can force him to hand it to the running back, but the fact that quarterback performance tends to regress to its kind of true levels in a way that no other position can because if the offensive coordinator simply decides that you don't get to have the ball as the running back you don't get to have the ball it doesn't matter how good you are nothing flukish can happen where i mean yeah they can throw you a screen pass or something if you're alvin kamara but nothing flukish can happen where they're like ah just change my mind i'm gonna hand you the ball now in the way hurts can scramble for 32 yards in a broken play so yeah i'm uh I'm not excited about any of those plays in that, you know, that this or that group that you just gave me. None of that sounds fun to me. I'm going to hope for something else to do. But uh, if I had to pick one there, I guess I would pick Sanders. Jets go in and play the Rams. Jets are 17-point underdogs here. Uh, we yeah. talked about Cam Akers. I think we're going to blow through this one pretty quickly. Uh, the, we talked about Cam Akers as pretty much a lock play this week. Uh, that remains unchanged. I think you have to be concerned about playing anyone else on the Rams because this game could be completely out of hand early. The Jets... They're, I know they're not actively trying to lose, but whenever you play Frank Gore on a consistent basis, it's it's hard to it's hard to go it's hard to walk in the court, yeah. put your hand on the put your hand on the Bible, and swear that you've been trying to win when Frank Gore has been like your um, when Frank Gore has been your lead back all year, and you've refused to pivot off it. Um, so it's one of those things like we're not tanking, but yeah, we're tanking. Uh, anything else to see here on this game? I, I, Acres is a lock, and I'm not sure I want to do anything else. Yeah, the rest of it's a stay away. Rams defense. If you have the money left over, you can like if you got McCoy or some other cheap back. You probably want the Rams defense here. Yeah, the Ram, like we said, like Seattle was able to. Yeah, we have Rams. I mean, I, this is you don't you don't need to run a, a in depth system to have the Rams as your favorite uh, overall projected defense. This <laughs> week. So defense I, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, look at us. We're the top, they're the top rated defense. Like, I think you could just you know, pick yeah, that yeah. name. You could just sort it out like on a with the magnet tiles and figure it out like that. That would be the team that would go to the top. All right, the uh, final <laughs> game here. <laughs> I'll try to think of those little magnets that you can like move around to, like to kind of like stack things up. I didn't mean like the magnet tiles like the toy my kid plays with. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I. <laughs> Yeah, no, I wasn't. I didn't mean those. Okay, so last game here is KC goes in and plays New Orleans. New Orleans is, uh, or excuse me, KC is three point road favorites uh, against the Saints, who it looks like Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback for one more week. They came out and said that this morning that that uh, Drew Brees is not that all that close to returning mm-hmm. yet, even though they activated him on, off the IR. So we're going to get another week of Taysom Hill. Let's start uh, here with the let's start with the Saints side of the ball. Right now, I think Hill is like, is is really you know flirting around the top of our lineups. KC, for as good as they are on offense, it is worth noting that this team allows the other team to put up points. They are thirtieth against the rush, which you like if you if Taysom Hill, middle of the pack uh, against the pass. Where do we stand with Hill um, in terms of cash game ownership, and then you know compared to some of these other guys that we mentioned, and then I guess Michael Thomas is in there as well because it sure looks like they're gonna be playing from behind. Yeah, I mean Hill. We've played him a lot more than most people if ownership percentages are to be believed <laughs> on right. these various sites. And frankly, it's worked out. You know, he's, he remains cheap. He's an effective passer and a good runner. And he didn't have as many running opportunities against Philly last week. Um, just looked like fewer planned runs because they were down so hardcore early on. And like you said, kind of fewer possessions. Ultimately, it didn't affect him his attempts very much. He had 38 passing attempts, which is the high for his career. Uh, like you said, they'll be playing from behind. The Chiefs can offer a lot of opponent possessions as well with those super fast electric drives. So yeah, I think Hill is in the conversation for me. I love Michael Thomas. So, you know, he's 
uh, right there alongside Brandon Ayuk is my favorite wide receiver plays of the week. So I think we'll definitely have some exposure here. What are your thoughts on Kamara here? Because I'm, I'm going to offer a case. I, I get you're probably going to say you don't want to do it, and I get it. But um, <laughs> let me offer a case that that makes the, so these first three games with Taysom yeah, yeah. Hill maybe weren't the re, maybe weren't the reality, right? Oh. Like, okay. so the first game they're killing Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They don't really need to throw the ball all that much. Hill runs it a ton, okay? Uh, and Kamara ends up with 13 and one. Then the game against Denver was just one of the weirdest games of the year. It's completely over. They run Latavius Murray basically in the second half, and it's um, because they're playing against the B squad. Third game, Atlanta. Atlanta. This game looked closer on paper than it was. He touched the ball 18 times in this game. Uh, this is Kamara. And um, so you, maybe maybe you're starting to get back to, you know, okay-ish numbers. That's still pretty low for him. And then last week, though, goes out and touches the ball 21 times in a game that they needed to keep their foot on the gas because they were losing to Philly by so much. And which strikes me as the closest game script that we are going to see here against KC, where it's like you just have to keep your foot on the gas against KC because they're just going to score against you. So that gets back to 21 touches, including 10 targets. Where do we want to land on his target share? Because, again, I I want to, I do think those first three games were a little weird. And I hate to just make excuses, but this is a guy who is one of the top fantasy performing running back. It might have just been. I might have just been finally like leapfrogged by Dalvin Cook. But where do you land on Kamara? Because I do think there's... I do think there's enough wonkiness in those first few games to make it so that we can't just like totally dumpster his projection. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. I think you're correct, especially based on last week's piece of evidence, that the two average targets that he saw in those first three games were not what we want to assign him going forward. I would still argue that 10 is higher than we want to assign him going forward. So the real art here comes in trying to find the sweet spot. Um and I, I, I just don't know. You know, this is something that DFS touts don't say very often because they always want to seem like they know exactly what's going to happen. But I don't know that you can definitively look at this game and say with any confidence that Kamara is going to have 21 touches or 15. I, I don't I just don't think anyone can tell you that. And when I hear those words coming outside of my mouth, I want to look for guys that I can say more definitively. Like I think with Derrick Henry, I can say definitively that I think the average use case for him is 25-plus carries in this game. I absolutely cannot say that for Kamara. That being said, I do think you make a really good point that we should overweight last game's performance because it was the most, you know, quote-unquote normal or at least the one that's going to be the closest analog to this Chiefs game. Um, they, They are unlikely to be just up by a bunch and grinding out the clock in this game for sure. And if they do get up for some reason, then the Chiefs, are going to be playing even faster than they do usually. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Saints offense here. If you had to give me a pick choice between Kamara or Jonathan Taylor, I would take Kamara. So you've gotten me that far. Um, whether that's going to be wind up being far enough to sneak him into cash games in a week where we want to play Derrick Henry, uh, where we're still going to pay around 8000 at quarterback, where we want to play Travis Kelsey coming back the other way at 8500 uh, I'm not sure he's going to – I don't want to prioritize him, but if he were in the final lineup, I could live with it. So where the re- where it really becomes a question is DraftKings with the full PPR where he's two thousand less than Derrick Henry at this point, right? Like that is a huge, huge drop off. Um, he's two thousand less price. than Henry, more than two thousand less than Henry on Fanduel too. But I'm making um, the point because more of the PPR piece, like because like right now 
uh, there is there is kind of a difference between uh, Kamara's DraftKings average points per game where he stands yeah, in sort of the rankings and where he stands in FanDuel. Because right now on the season he's running still running back to average DraftKings points per game, even with these like last few mm-hmm. games that have been pretty bad. Um, he still is better than Henry. It's a Henry is I believe better. Uh, I have to scroll down. Nah, he's still. Yeah, I take it back. He's still better than he's still better points per game than Henry on FanDuel as well. That's crazy. I can't believe that actually. Um, well, how's that, how's that even possible? I'm, I'm floundering here. <laughs> it must be the touchdown. Well, just was I, absolutely. Well, yeah, first he's got 14 touchdowns. The second piece is that there were games early in the season that the number is just going to look like when you're eyeball scrolling through the game log, your eyes might gloss over because you're just not used to seeing numbers that big. But he had 34 and 38 fantasy points in back-to-back games to start the season, a 31-point game against San Francisco. So basically he's just capable of these absolutely monster games. Yeah, wow. I'm sorry, surprised myself by reading that. I was like, kind of started to stutter. Okay, uh, Casey, we you know what we know what their offense is capable of. We do know this New Orleans defense is very good. Uh, the New mm-hmm. Orleans defense ranks second overall in DVOA this season, and they're probably not going to catch Pittsburgh, but um, they have a nice lead over the Rams. Although the Rams get the Jets this week, so they might be able to leapfrog them. But um, can we run Casey guys into New Orleans this week, knowing that? You know, the defense is good, but these guys, look, Tyreek Hill and, uh, and Travis Kelsey are among the two top fantasy guys on the entire season, and not to mention Mahomes. Uh, what do you want to do here with the KC defense? Oh, offense, excuse me. I'll play Kelsey in cash this week. I don't want to play Hill. Uh, that's kind of where I land on it. Um, I also, like, just want to throw a shout-out to your buddy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Doug. We haven't talked about him in weeks, but uh, 22 total t- opportunities against Miami. It wasn't very good, uh, and... You know, not a lot of bullish indicators for him, just by and large. But the fact that he had six targets, uh, good for his third highest on the season last week. Yeah, I, I think he's in that same group that we discussed earlier with like Sanders and Taylor and so on. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think that the, I think luckily we get with the defense here that I don't need to do it. But um, it, it's encouraging for if they have a game. I haven't looked ahead of their schedule. If there's a game in these last few weeks mm-hmm. where they're just going to be definitive favorites, I think we could probably lean into him a little more with the hope that the price sort of continues to stagnate. Maybe in a tough matchup again. Uh, I was just checking where we landed with bets because I could have sworn I did this one. Yeah, we got New Orleans. This is good. We got Hell New yeah, Orleans we bet New Orleans hard. Mm-hmm. At plus four, uh, and now that's down to three. So that one, that line moved into the direction that we wanted it to go. I don't think it probably creeps too far more than that. I will say, I think the New Orleans money line, that's back to three and a half in some spots. The New Orleans money line is probably in play here as well. So um, so go check that out. Uh, I think they can at least keep it close. Our system likes them keeping it close. Um I think, I think we have them right around three and a half. Okay, we're going to get out of here. DFSR.com is the site. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. Uh, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our projection system. Powered by our good friends over at Lineup Live. Got to go sign up for that right now. You get a seven-day free trial. Right now, that's going to take you through. The, the, you'll get the double dip on this free trial because you're going to get the weekend of football, but then you're also going to get the first Come couple on. days of, ba- of basketball as what well. So. Yeah, because um, we, we we cover it under, all under one subscription package. So you go sign up now, you're gonna you get it free through a pretty fun time of the year where you get football and basketball just basically back to back. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started there. Buddy, enjoy week 15 in NFL action. How could I not?